Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. Hello, my Demon Insiders. Today's episode was inspired by Crane. Crane is a listener of the show who responded to one of my questions on the podcast. The episode was entitled, The Demon Inside Anison Joseph. My question was, Do you believe that demons can just jump into a person without consent? Crane wrote, quote, Yes, I believe demons can jump into people without consent. Check out Isabella Guzman's or Esme Singh's case. I think demons came into their lives and ruined the families. Many blessings. End quote. So for that, thank you, Crane, for your blessings, and thank you for your suggesting these two cases. And I do believe that you are right. These two, for me, are connected, and I really do appreciate that you found these for me. The more I did the research, the more I found common things between them. So today, we will go over the demon inside, Isabella Guzman. Now at the center of a brutal, brutal murder case, the alleged victim, her own mother. That's right. The cops and the girl's own father say they tried to intervene in the hours before the killing. So what went wrong here? ABC's Aditi Roy is in our Los Angeles bureau with more. What a gruesome story, Aditi. It is a chilling story. Good morning, Dan and Bianca. Before the murder, police were actually at the teenager's house with a stern warning to her to respect her mother or be thrown out of the house. Hours later, police were back, this time to a bloody murder scene. District 1 is looking for Isabella Guzman. Police say this is the face of a killer and that 18-year-old Isabella Guzman's alleged victim is her own mother. 47-year-old Yunmi Hoy's body, the center of what investigators call a bloody crime scene in this Aurora, Colorado home. Police say Guzman stabbed Hoy 79 times before fleeing the home. She's on foot somewhere in the area. After an all-night search, undercover police discovered Guzman in a nearby parking lot. 
In a police affidavit, investigators say the girl's stepfather, Ryan Hoy, heard his wife cry out from the bathroom. He then opened the door and allegedly found his stepdaughter standing with a knife over her mother's bloody body. Guzman's biological father tells ABC news station KMGH he spoke with his daughter earlier that day. The topic of conversation, her troubled relationship with her mother. I still can't believe it. I thought that I made progress, but obviously it didn't do nothing because hours later, then this thing happened. Prosecutors say in the days leading up to Yoon Mi-hoi's brutal murder, Guzman allegedly yelled at her and spit in her face and reportedly, via email, sent a clear message, you will pay. A teenager who looks more like a model than a murder suspect, now behind bars. Guzman's being held without bail on first-degree murder. Her next court appearance is on September 15th. An incredibly disturbing story. Dan and Biana. Disturbing indeed. All right, Aditi, thank you. So 18-year-old Isabella Guzman was accused of fatally stabbing her mother 79 times. Guzman and her mother often fought, but the teenager had become more threatening and disrespectful toward Yen Mi Hoi, her mother, in recent days. Her stepfather, Ryan Hoi, told authorities her mother had grown so fearful that she called Aurora police, who on Wednesday afternoon warned Guzman that her mother could kick her out of their home if she did not shape up. Hours later, officers returned to the home to find Yoon Mi Oi dead in an upstairs bathroom. Guzman 18, who was arrested Thursday after a 16-hour manhunt, appeared Friday before Arapo County Judge Stephen F. Collins, who ordered her to remain jailed without bond on suspicion of first-degree murder. She sat silently in an orange jumpsuit, a bandage on her right wrist. So one of the news medias got a clinical psychologist to kind of look over this, uh, just to kind of give their best estimates. This is that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it up into parts just so that I can show you how this is kind of similar to other cases. Because when it comes to demon possession, nobody wants to say demon possession. They always come out with drugs or other circumstances or situations. So let's take a listen to this. The details in this arrest affidavit are gruesome. Ryan Hoy telling police his wife went upstairs to take a shower. He heard a thump, ran up, and saw blood oozing out from under the bathroom door. When he tried to enter, he told police Isabella Guzman pushed the door shut. The affidavit states that he ran down to get a cell phone and heard his wife yell, Jehovah. Then the door opened. He saw Guzman walk out with a knife at her right side, staring straight ahead and not saying a word. It definitely sounds like something out of a movie, actually. So how many times have we ever heard this? Uh, the person wasn't talking. They were looking straight ahead. They seemed like they weren't there. Their eyes were blacked over. Maybe they didn't say that, but you kind of get the sense that she wasn't there. So let's continue. We shared the contents of the probable cause statement with Dr. Sean Worthy, a clinical psychologist at Metropolitan State University of Denver, specializing in domestic violence and family issues. In real life, there are a couple of different things that might be going on. So number one, you have to wonder, is there any drug or alcohol involvement? Drugs or alcohol that might alter consciousness. 
He said the second possibility would be acute psychotic reaction. That means a reaction uh, based out of stress, and the person kind of loses contact with reality. So this is exactly what I was talking about. They're either blaming it on a situation or they're blaming it on liquor or drugs. Now, if we remember Austin Haroff and Anison Johnson and uh, all these others, they did a test to see if they were on bath salts and none of them were. There was no drugs. There was no liquor. There was nothing in their systems to even indicate why they would act in such a way. Also, the situation, she was an 18-year-old girl. She could have always moved out. She didn't have to do what she was doing just to get what she wanted. And now, here's a situation that I really don't like. Whenever the police are called, they try to facilitate a way for people to come to a conclusion on their differences. And I believe that this girl was 18, but they saw her as much younger. And they decided that they were going to talk to her and say, look, your mother can throw you out anytime you want. You're 18. So did that help or did that hurt? So listen to this. Hours before the murder, police were called to the home. The affidavit says officers thought they had diffused the tension between Guzman and her mother and left. Worthy says there's no doubt Guzman was very angry. Now, something happened to this young lady in the past, and it was extraordinarily traumatic and stressful, and that she never got the help she needed. And so it just kind of all spilled out like a volcano all at that moment, and that rage was focused on her mother. So again, I ask you, because he talks about rage, what causes rage? What causes anger? Now, APD's first response to this house on a call for a welfare check, I asked them if they treat those a little bit differently than they do any kind of a domestic violence call and how they determine when to make an arrest. All police will say at this point is that they responded to the house earlier. They're not answering any other questions because the case is still under investigation. They're not answering questions because they screwed up. They didn't take account that that hours before she had sent an email saying you will pay. They didn't take into account that the mother was scared. She was terrified of her daughter at this point. She had her husband, which was Isabella Guzman's stepdad, sleep in Isabella's room because she was frightened that Isabella was going to come out and kill her in her sleep. So she wanted a way for her to have some type of warning or maybe even get him to stop her before she could. But to me, all this sounds kind of weird because why would she have her stepfather, why would she have her husband, who's Isabella's stepfather, sleep in her room? That just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you would close up the door, you would lock it up, you would put uh, chairs underneath the uh, doorknob so that nobody could come into your room. Something just didn't seem right. But Isabella wasn't always like this. According to her aunt, Melanie Guzman, she says she was a typical teenager. 
when she visited family a few months ago, Guzman could get angry, but violence seems outside her character. Her mother spoiled her, she said. She said she feels aspects of the police investigation remain undone, and there's something more to it. She also said, and I quote, Her demeanor is pretty sweet. She's very coquette. I can see her yelling, screaming, and storming off, and locking herself in her room and turning on her iPod, but not being violent like that, end quote. Not being violent like that. Isn't that what we always hear? I didn't think they could do that. I didn't think they could do something so horrible like that. But yet, when the demon is inside, anything is possible. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. So this teen who killed her mother, stabbed her 79 times. On her Facebook photos, she didn't look like a killer. People said if there's a murder suspect stereotype, Guzman doesn't look the part. The teen who goes by the nickname Isa looks like a beauty queen or a model in photos on her Facebook page. Her page has a photo of a watermelon slice with the word love carved into it. There's also a photo of her wearing a Hello Kitty t-shirt and jeans standing in front of a rock band set from a singing competition last year. So she went from singing competitions to killing her mother? How does that work? Isabella was... Not convicted, probably because of the way she looked. Instead, she was sent to a hospital, a mental health facility, where she spent the last seven years of her life, and now she wants to get out. Take a listen to this. This is her interview recently. Guzman was 18 at the time and found not guilty by reason of insanity. Well, now she tells CBS4's Rick Salinger... She's on medication, and her sanity has been restored. I was not myself when I did that, and I have since been restored to full health. It was seven years ago Isabella Guzman committed an unspeakable crime. In this Aurora home, she stabbed her mother to death 79 times in the face and neck. I was abused at home by my family for many years. My parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. And um, I left the religion when I was 14. And the abuse at home worsened after I quit. Court documents indicated she had been at extreme odds with her mother, Yunmi Hoy. She argued with her and wrote, you will pay. The fight with my mom was terrible. And um, I was injured in the process. I have the scars on my hands. Um, I don't know if you can see or not. For so many who knew her, it was hard to imagine Isabella with such a sweet face could carry out such a vicious act. Found not guilty by reason of insanity, she was sent to the state hospital in Pueblo, where we spoke to her. I'm not mentally ill anymore. I'm 
not a danger to myself or others. Life here, not surprisingly, has been difficult. In 2015, she reported to police she had been sexually assaulted by a hospital employee in a closet. He asked me if I wanted to go in there and look through to get some clothing, so I did. The other patient left, uh, and he went in there and shut the door behind him. The case was investigated by the state hospital's police. The Department of Human Services denied our request for information, citing privacy laws. Isabella said there were two other incidents with the same employee. I was afraid that if I didn't do what he wanted, that he could ruin my life. She is now seeking prosecution of the man she claims assaulted her. But the Pueblo DA says he never got such a case back then from the hospital police. So hard on me emotionally and mentally. I made me feel like I wanted to give up. But what Isabella Guzman would like most of all is release from this facility. If I could change it or if I could take it back, I would. She is hoping to see freedom one day. Rick Salinger covering Colorado First. So this is a very unique situation because most of the times whenever we have serial killers or any type of killer, for me, that uh, has a demon inside, they're usually convicted and they end up spending either life in prison or on death row or they've got 20, 40, 60 years, you know, uh, sometimes to the point where they will never see the light of day. I mean, let's be honest, nobody's going to come out of prison after they killed, you know, three or four or five people. So let's put this in perspective because she was actually sent to a facility. She wasn't sent to a prison, so she was mentally ill. Okay. Now, if she's mentally ill and she's better now, should she be released? See, I'm not sure how that works as far as when you're possessed. Because unless you have a exorcism, you're not going to be free of that demon. And that demon will come back and that demon will harm other people. And it's just a way for it to accumulate and, and fester and wait. But then again, last episode, we talked about it being in prisons. So did it escape her? Did it go out into the world? Is she healed? So what I find curious as well, because what the demon insiders haven't really known about me is that I used to be a police officer. And, of course, I use the name John Venom because I'm trying not to use my real name in case uh, I need to go back to court for something. Because I don't want people to look at me like I'm weird or that my cases aren't solid. So, but here's the thing. As a demon, uh, as I am looking at a demon from the outside. If she was not possessed anymore, then why shouldn't she be allowed to leave? 
Now, here's the thing. Like I was saying, I was a cop and I was listening to her answer. And for me, her answer is not very sincere. She didn't say, I really regret what I did to my mother. I really regret that day. I feel so bad for what I did. I'm sorry to have hurt and killed my mother. I'm sorry to have hurt my stepfather. I'm sorry that I caused all these pains to my family. No, instead she said, look, I hurt myself. Did you see my hand? She's like, we had fights, but it was okay. Because she's still trying to play the victim. Psychologically, sure, that's what this is. She's playing the victim because she's a narcissist. She needs for people to look at her and think victim. And of course, she's playing the victim again by saying that this guy, if it's real, so if it's real and this nurse or somebody who works in the facility is actually doing this, not just to her, but other victims, other people in there, they need to pull this guy out and convict him. But if she's just doing this to find a way out or to get sympathy, because this is the demon's M.O. The demon wants sympathy from people. The demon wants you to fall for it. The demon's already got that happening since the first, since the trial. In the trial, they found her uncompetent, crazy, mentally ill. She didn't have to go to prison. She didn't have to put up with prisoners. She's in a hospital where it's cozy, comfy. And she couldn't be the victim no more, so let's be the victim now. Maybe that's what the demon wants. The demon wants her to portray herself as the victim and see how much she can get away with. She's already gotten away with murder. And worse, she's gotten away with murder of her mother. Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.